0: Thank you, Lois and Tyler, for leading us tonight. I thought it was very ironic uh, that In the Garden was the first song chosen. We had a meeting uh, this week, and we were talking about trying to uh, uh, get the music to flow a little more quickly, and sometimes how we lag the songs, and they said, well, where do we put In the Garden? I said, don't worry about it, we get it requested enough as a favorite uh, that we'll sing it slowly whenever it's requested. But anyway, that's just a hard song to sing really quickly. Uh, It just seems like it needs to flow a little more slowly. But anyway, uh, good to have you here tonight. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to actually look at three passages of Scripture tonight. I want to talk to you about a biblical philosophy for sharing the gospel. A biblical philosophy for sharing the gospel. Young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your aid or mine. Does anybody know who that statement was made to? That statement was made to William Carey. Uh, who got up uh, with a bunch of uh, English preachers to share with them and try to urge them and in their involvement in world missions. And that was back in 1792. So again, the statement that was made in response to him stirring, trying to stir them to share the gospel, and especially in worldwide evangelism, evangelism is the young man sit-down when God pleases to convert the heathen he will do it without your aid or mine. Uh, William Carey was so stirred by that statement, he went on to write a feast, a treatise, I guess I would call it, and I, I'm going to read this because it's basically like reading a book. Uh, this is the title of his treatise, An Inquiry into the Obligation of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathens in which the religious state of the different nations of the world, the success of former undertakings, and the practical, uh, practicability of further undertakings are considered. Now that has been abbreviated to simply the inquiry, or an inquiry. Uh, I like the abbreviated uh, uh, title better, but what... Kerry uh, went on to do is argue how we all ought to be involved in sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he had to do that to a bunch of preachers, can you imagine, uh, back in 1792. Now, I've entitled the message of biblical philosophy for sharing the gospel rather than a biblical philosophy for soul winning. And, and let me just merely explain the difference. I do put a lot of thought or try to put a lot of thought into... Uh, titles that I choose, themes and points that I choose, and I think sometimes we emphasize the the end instead of the means. I, I think instead of the idea of we need to be focusing on our obligation is to share the gospel, sometimes we focus on the end obligation or the end result uh, of leading a soul to Christ, and I think sometimes we do that because we have the we really get excited about leading a soul to Christ, but are we as excited about just sharing the gospel? Can you admit with me, sometimes we're, we're a lot more excited when leading a soul to Christ, and we're not always that excited when we have the opportunity to share the gospel. We ought to be excited either way. Uh, what a privileged opportunity to be able to share the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with a soul. And so tonight I want to talk to about how us about having a biblical philosophy for sharing the gospel. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, Really excited about this lesson tonight, the passages of Scripture that we will be looking uh, into, and I pray that you'd help us from the Scriptures to draw out at least a direction of what our philosophy ought to be for sharing the gospel. So guide us in our Bible study tonight, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am sure if I'd ask any of you, all of you, uh, could you please give me your philosophy statement regarding the sharing of the gospel? Uh, I might get a lot of um, uh, type of uh, responses because we really don't usually stop and think through this. But I think it is practically good for all of us to stop and think about uh, what is our philosophy for sharing the gospel because I believe when we determine what our philosophy is, it will help us in determining then how we will present the gospel. I think a philosophy statement really uh, helps us in understanding how we will evangelize, how we will share the gospel, uh, what is our approach going to be in soul winning, as we might call it. The Bible does talk about he that winneth souls is wise. Uh, We ought to be out there sowing the seed, Uh, of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we'll look at a couple passages regarding that. But what is the ultimate goal for sharing the gospel? I want us to stop and think about that. We might say, well, the ultimate goal is to lead a soul to Christ. But I don't believe that's actually true. I believe the ultimate goal for sharing the gospel is that we would rightly represent the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to sow the seed and then allow the working of the Holy Spirit to bring a soul to Christ. So, yes, I understand we say, well, I want to present the gospel so the people can get saved. I do understand that. But we have to recognize that our ultimate goal is to rightly represent God or to glorify God in the way we present the gospel. Let me let me share with you a couple of situations I, I've encountered over the years Uh, Number one, I've encountered some that would say, well, we use a lot of contemporary, and they would even admit, rock Christian music to get people in so that they can present the gospel to them. Uh, Now, I don't know in any of those particular situations, in the conversations I would have, that they would say, well, I don't believe that really is glorifying God, but it is doing an effective work. But we have to recognize, is God then glorified with us playing rock music in order to get people in to share with them the gospel? And again, I would say no, personally. I don't believe that glorifies God. I don't believe that prepares the heart properly for getting saved, sometimes emotionally, uh, to making a decision or praying a prayer, but not necessarily preparing the heart properly for truly receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, The idea of easy uh, believism uh, definitely presented back in the 70s and 80s. That was very popular. Uh, Some would say, you know, we should go out and cast out the nets and and bring in the nets. And and as we cast them out and bring them in, uh, may the Lord uh, lead some to follow and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Where others would kind of cast out a, a fishing hook and try to catch them, take the barb off because we may not keep them very long, but try to catch them at least briefly for an evening uh, to make some simple prayer of salvation. Again, the idea of easy believism, I don't think is ultimately been, was developed to glorify God. I think it was ultimately developed to make us feel better. Hey, we're not catching many souls. We're not reaching many people for Christ. Let's make it easier. And and I've been there. I've shared the story of one in particular Uh, in a church up in uh, northeast Ohio, uh, where they were presenting the gospel, and the statement was made to me me that we're leading people to Christ, and they don't even know it. Again, that's a very dangerous idea. And the idea was, we really feel good about our soul winning program. Every time we leave, uh, we, we have the excitement of leading someone to Christ. My question is, did they truly lead someone to Christ? And so... Uh, We have to recognize that our philosophy will determine our presentation. So, if our philosophy is ultimately to glorify God and not simply to lead a soul to Christ, we will then go out as as ambassadors. We'll look at that in just a minute, rightly representing the God that is over us. So, look here at two, two passages of Scripture in the books of Corinthians, the first and First Corinthians, chapter two. Again, our ultimate goal would be then we'd say doxological or to the God's glory. In First Corinthians chapter 2, in the opening five verses, is a set of verses that I love. I've chosen them as some of my life ministry verses. Uh, notice I said I chose them as some of uh, it's not like having one life verse. There are about five passages that have hugely impacted, and I preached through them in a series at one point, Have hugely impacted my ministry for Christ. Look at, look at how Paul begins here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I was determined not to know... Uh, anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He didn't want to go in and, and simply wax eloquent. Uh, he didn't want to just run through the scriptures and show them how much he knew of the scriptures. Uh, he wanted to simply get up and just preach the gospel. How many of you ever heard of missionary Jonathan Goforth? Raise your hand. Uh, Jonathan Goforth would ultimately marry a young lady named Rosalind. Uh, Rosalind, I believe, was out of England, if I remember correctly, reading the biography. Uh, Rosalind was sent by her family over to Canada, very wealthy family, because she was a pianist. And so Rosalind uh, uh, was this well-accomplished pianist. And both she and Jonathan were sent to a rescue mission one night uh, to minister there. And she was playing the piano, and he was to get up to preach. Uh, Rosalind got done uh, playing the piano and uh, sat down in the seat as Jonathan got up to preach. And she kind of laughed. Number one, he was not wealthy at all. He had one suit and it was rather tattered. He was made fun of in Bible college because of his apparel. Uh, By the way, so was I, but it was merely because of the choices I made. Uh, Maybe I'll have to talk about that with Roy later on. I remember wearing the leisure suits and I have one that was lime green. Boy, that had to be exciting. No wonder Karen was after me. Uh, anyway, uh, but, but he had these, this tattered suit and he got up and he went to present the, the gospel. And, and Rosalind laughed from her seat. She says, I, I, he got up and he forgot his Bible. And she said, I began to hear him speak. And she came to the realization that man didn't need a Bible. He knew the Bible. She said, actually, while he was preaching, I went over to his seat and picked up his Bible and started to thumb through and finger my way through his Bible and saw how marked up it was and how used it was. And she declared, sitting there listening to him preach, this is a man I one day want to marry. So again, the idea of the presentation of the gospel, that, that Jonathan Goforth, he didn't want to wax eloquent. He just wanted to get the message of the gospel across. And so that was Paul's desire. He says, I'm not here to try, to try to make you impressed with my presentation. I just want to share with you the gospel. And he says in verse number 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but this is key, but, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why was that that? Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Again, the idea here that Paul had, his philosophy of ministry was this, I don't want to impress people, I want to merely present the gospel to people. And I want to present it in such a way that God can work through my preaching to draw mankind to himself. He'd say in 2 Timothy chapter 2, or Uh, Paul would say in 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 to 26, that the man of God uh, has to present the gospel in such a way that the the Spirit of God can release him from the bondage uh, of sin and of Satan that he is under. So look now, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So your philosophy of, again, presenting the gospel could be be developed by using passages like this. Okay, when I present the gospel, uh, I don't want to impress people with what I know. In fact, I want to keep it simple. I I found it interesting. Paul said uh, that he was among them with weakness, fear, and much trembling another passage of Scripture, he says he was rude in his speech. That didn't mean that he was offensive. It just meant that he was not well polished. You know, when you think of Paul and all that he did, we kind of assume that, man, this, this man must have been quite an orator. Sinners in the hands of an angry God was preached by Jonathan Edwards. There are several versions out there of that sermon. But there is one correct version of that. Uh, probably a number of you know, but probably not all have ever even heard the sermon, let alone know uh, this truth. But uh, as Jonathan Edwards preached that, he actually read it in a monotone. Uh, but at the end of that, uh, scores of people came to Christ. Again, it wasn't because of his enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit that was at work. And so you can begin to develop your philosophy. Hey, I don't have to go out there and try to be all polished and eloquent. Isn't that what keeps some of us from wanting to share the gospel? We think, I'm not good at it. When should we be good at it? You know, let's just allow the Lord to use us. Let's be simple with it. We're just trying to simply present the gospel in such a way that people might hear the message that we have. In 2 Corinthians, then chapter 5, beginning in verse number 18, just an incredible chapter. I've actually done a series of messages from this chapter, where he starts in verse number 18: all things are of God who hath reconciled to us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So do you realize, as a Christian, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation? We'll see in a minute what all that looks like, but you have automatically been given a ministry. So look at verse number 19, to wit, that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. So as God was working through Christ Jesus to reconcile the world to himself, he's also going to work through you to reconcile part of the world to himself, or that's his desire, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation, or the message of reconciliation. I like to alliterate. I don't like to force it, but this is pretty easy. Uh, First of all, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, and secondly, the message of reconciliation, because that's what the word, word means there. He's given us the message. By the way, this is the message of reconciliation. It's included in his word. And that's what we ought to be presenting to the world. Now, then, because of that information that we have, we are what? We're, we're representatives. We're representatives of God. We're representatives of Jesus Christ. So, just like an ambassador of the United States is an, a representative of the United States. And you would want them to go over to another nation, but not merely to win them over by giving them whatever they want. You would want them to strive to win them over by rightly representing the United States of America. The same, when we develop our philosophy for sharing the gospel, we have to recognize I'm an ambassador, so that means I'm representing someone. So I need to be careful by what means I represented someone with the gospel. Let me share some, something with you. I don't mean this to be offensive in any way, uh, but I remember twice being out in soul winning one time with uh, a gentleman who smoked cigarettes and uh, he, he was saying, you know what? He goes, now, whenever I go out to witness, I, I always put my cigarettes away and chew gum. Uh, He says, I don't want anybody to think I smoke cigarettes because I don't think I'd be a good witness for the Lord in such a way. So what was he doing? He's saying, you know what, I'm representing someone when I'm out here doing this. Uh, And and another gentleman said, "Now, now I always take out my piercings when I go out soul winning. And again, what was he saying? I want to rightly represent uh, the Lord that I'm representing. When I go to a door, I don't want to show up with piercings uh, all over me. I want to right really represent the Lord. I find that interesting because again, they were highly concerned with who they're going out and representing. So again, as then ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So what are we doing? We are imploring people to come into a right relationship for Jesus Christ. Let me show you one example and I'll be done. Turn with me over to the book of Acts in the 17th chapter, Acts chapter 17. So again, use these passages of Scripture. I'd actually like you to walk away from this challenge tonight to stop and consider what would be your philosophy for the presentation of the gospel. What is going to help direct you so that you would present the gospel in such a way that you ultimately believe it would glorify God? I think you could use passages like this to help you. Uh, It doesn't have to be a long statement like William Carey's uh, treatise that he presented. It may be quite simple, but I think we ought to stop and, and recognize, why am I out here? What is my ultimate goal? And in using that, present the gospel in such a way uh, that, again, we be faithful in presenting the gospel and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts to bring them to himself or bring them to the Heavenly Father. Uh, Look at one of the opportunities Paul had here. This is one of many in the book of Acts, chapter 17. Again, I'll begin with verse number one. Again, I'll look at the first five verses. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. So if you're not used to Bible names, there'd be some challenging names to read through. I don't know if mom remembers this, but we had a pastor growing up, my favorite pastor growing up in my early years, and we got into all the names. He would say wheelbarrow every time. I have no idea why. But he would say, and wheelbarrow begot wheelbarrow, and wheelbarrow begot... I have no idea why. Uh, Never ask him. He he had a doctorate degree. He taught Bible colleges. But he said wheelbarrow when he read a list of names. Uh, Anyway, I guess it was easier to say that than the difficult names. These are various cities where Paul is presenting the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Thessalonica, I don't know if you know this information... But he was largely rejected there. In fact, after presenting the gospel in the way he did here, this is a passage where it talks about the Bereans. They had taken Paul from Thessalonica so they wouldn't kill him. What had he done wrong? He'd share the gospel. Uh, He presented Jesus Christ as the Messiah. There was a lot of Jews there. They would have desired to have Paul killed. So that Paul wasn't killed, the other apostles would take him. Uh, from that area and take him to Berea. That's where they were more noble. And they searched the scriptures to see whether those things were so. That's later on here in verse number 11, I believe. But uh, let's go back to the passage and look at verse number two. And Paul, as his manner was, so this was his custom, this is the way he would often do it, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. So what Paul did is he didn't wait for people often to come to him, but he went to people. That could be part of your philosophy statement. It is my duty as a Christian to engage people in discussions about the Lord Jesus Christ and about the gospel or something like that. So his manner was to engage with them He typically would take three Sabbaths. So now what is that telling you about them? This is really interesting, that use of the word Sabbath here in the book of Acts. I can't wait. I've been studying and studying the book of Acts for years, uh, wanting to do a Sunday school series through it, and uh, looking forward to doing that sometime if the Lord so will let me do it. If you were to remember, the Sabbath was for the Jews. As Gentiles, we've never been under the Sabbath obligation. Uh, as Gentiles, we have now uh, not under that part of the law. We would not had that obligation. So Gentiles uh, never had a sab- sabbatical year or a Sabbath in where they were uh, obligated to set it apart for the Lord. So this is talking about with the Jews and he is actually going to go into their synagogues and he's going to reason with them. Look look at the next two words that I think are important, opening and alleging, the words opening and alleging. Uh, He talks about this also in 2 Timothy, but it's the idea of laying it down before them and then feeding it in. Uh, Nancy, you're a good hostess. I would find it, though, awkward if you presented a meal before me and then started to spoon-feed me the meal. I kind of take back at that. I'd rather feed myself, if you don't mind. Is that okay? Uh, But the the idea here of opening and alleging is you're you're spoon-feeding someone. So what was Paul doing? Well, he was reasoning with them, and he was reasoning with them out of the Scriptures, and, and he was just laying the truths down before them and basically feeding them the truths, if I want to put it in... The today's English, today's vernacular. He's just simply laying the scripture down and feeding them the biblical truths. Again, he's not trying to get someone to make a decision. He's trying to get someone to come, allow the Holy Spirit to work in that heart and bring them to a place of belief in Jesus Christ. So opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead—how different that is from my Sunday morning message when they were unbelieving and they didn't know where Christ was. Again, I'm staggered by the Sunday morning, the first Sunday morning of the resurrection. Please let me reminisce and digress a little bit. But the, the Romans are thinking that the, the disciples stole the body and the disciples are thinking the Romans stole the body. And the reality of it is He is not here for He is he's risen and risen indeed. But anyway, Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. So, what is he trying to do? Well, he's opening, alleging the scriptures, and laying right down before them that they would come, they would change their mind. Uh, maybe attach it a little bit to last week's message, but they would change their mind on who this Jesus was and recognize this Jesus was the Messiah. Now, interestingly, I want to see, and sadly, I want you to see two portions of verses 4 and 5. And some of them believed, verse 4, verse 5, but the Jews which believed not. Now, he says, but the Jews which believe not. I, I am under this position that some of the Jews did believe. He came unto his own, but his own what? Received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe upon his name. So what was Paul doing? Well, Paul primarily here going to the Jews. Now, this is again a little ironic because Paul was an apostle to the the Gentiles. Paul was not to be the 12th apostle. Uh, Some have said, boy, that was a mistake for them to make that vote. Uh, Paul was obviously the 12th apostle that god would have chosen no they had 12 apostles to the jew first and they had one apostle who was jewish who would often witness to jews first but he was an apostle to the gentiles so what paul would do his manner was this i'm going to go to them i'm going to engage them in in discussion regarding who this christ is who this man jesus is I'm going to lay down the truths right before them and just feed them truth after truth. The realization is this, some of them will believe and some of them won't. When you witness, how many of the people you witness to do you want to get saved? Would you agree? All of them. But even Christ didn't reach everyone. Did you ever stop and think about that? Seventy at one point went back and walked with him no more. He heard enough. Others rejected his teaching from the very beginning. If we're not careful, and again, I I don't see this necessarily in anybody in our church, but I think it's important to talk about. If we're not careful, we're going to try to present the gospel in such a way that everyone prays a prayer. Our goal is not to give everyone to pray a prayer. Our ultimate goal is to rightly represent God and allow the Lord to work on their hearts. A biblical philosophy for, again, for sharing the gospel. I don't want to put the emphasis on the soul winning. We all want to be soul winners. But the reality of it is we need to do our part in being ambassadors for Christ. Every one of us have been given this ministry and every one of us have been given this message. But not every one of us is going to do it in the same way. Uh, Some of you, let me just stop and ask a question that live stream can't see who raises their hand, okay? So this is not on, on the court of public opinion. How many of you find it really easy to share the gospel with, with about anybody? Just raise your hand. Okay, we, we've, got about, we've got about eight. Okay, uh, That's not the large majority of people. By the way, probably my end would not be up. I, I definitely do it. I, I don't necessarily find it easy. Uh, I'm definitely more than willing to do it. But because it's not easy doesn't mean we shouldn't do it at all we ought to find a way, a means, to be able to get the gospel to people. It may be through the presentation of a tract. Uh, currently, I'm working on a book of John uh, that will have a gospel appeal at the back of it. I don't know if you're at all like me. Sometimes I think tracts are so overly simplistic. I wonder you know, how many truly understand and get saved merely by these five verses. And I am not disregarding tracts at all. I think if somebody is earnest and somebody wants to know more, and there are some like our own, uh, one of our own pastors got saved through a gospel tract, uh, they, they will come to know Christ. I'm not downplaying the tracts at all. But I think every one of us ought to look for a way, a means to present the gospel. Now, some of you it might be making some cookies with a neighbor And uh, when you go over, inviting them out to church. Uh, It might be coming to a Mother's Day flower giveaway and just engaging with people. It might be coming to one of our functions like that where we're trying to bring in the community. It might be coming to VBS, to the closing program, and just kind of engaging with one of the families who allowed their children to come here for the week. Again, I think every one of us ought to recognize we're under an obligation to share the gospel. And we have been given a ministry and a message. We are ambassadors. And so God has chosen, I think this is astounding, God has chosen his children to be the bearers of his message. Uh, Can't be a better plan. It's simplistic, but there can't be a better plan. Take those who have already been impacted with it, and let them share uh, how God has changed their life. May every one of us develop a philosophy for sharing the gospel. Let's let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Father, uh, may we all be burdened in this way. May we all take the scriptures and consider them together. Uh, may even these passages of scripture that I use tonight uh, help us in developing. A simple statement of of our philosophy for sharing the gospel. May every one of us on a weekly basis pray and ask you to give us opportunities to share the gospel. And uh, Father, may we be diligent, may we be willing to fight through our shyness, our own inabilities to be used as a tool for your namesake. Use us in the presentation of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.